Warning, the podcast you are about to hear is real. The events in this broadcast are 100% factual and may not be suitable for some listeners. No, seriously, it's all real. I'm not kidding. It's for realsies. This isn't some joke intro. What you guys are about to listen to is a podcast that has been highly researched on YouTube and TikTok. And what the guy wearing and and the guy wearing a tinfoil hat pushing a shopping cart with only one wheel up and down my street told me. Have I ever misled you before? Don't answer that. But what I am saying this time is true. Look. See? I have my fingers crossed. I don't have my fingers crossed or anything. Fine, don't believe me. You're going to be sorry you didn't believe me. I mean it. Mockumentaries on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer What? I just want to say that I totally botched that intro. I'm like, was so proud of it. I wrote it. I practiced it. And you I practiced it. Okay. I, All right. I did it wrong. I did it wrong. It would. It was a lot funnier. Oh, in my sure. head. Yeah. It was funny. Usually. All right, welcome to another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. This is episode 295, and we are going to talk about horror mockumentaries on this episode. Movies that play like a real documentary, but is totally fictional. Like, you know, for your normies out there, stuff like, you know, This is Spinal Tap, or uh, A Mighty Wind is a good one, Waiting for Guffman. But those are comedies. We're talking about horror mockumentaries. I love mockumentaries, especially the ones that make you kind of second guess whether it's real or not. Uh, are the films we're about to talk about convincing enough to seem real? I guess we're going to find out later, huh? <laughs> yes, we are. If this is your first time listening to Attack of the Killer podcast, let me kind of clue you into what's happening. It's happening. It's for real. <laughs> this is an illusion. <laughs> Attack of the Killer podcast is a horror movie podcast where a group of friends, we get together, we hang out, we talk about the genre we love so much, which is horror. We pick a topic, we discuss films within that topic. We're just friends, hanging out, having a good time, drinking a couple Zimas, and there's probably going to be spoilers. Just going to tell you. If you're wondering if it's true, yes, we do have a Patreon. Now you can rest easy. But I just want to say it's much more than just a Patreon. You don't just donate your money and end up getting like a thank you, maybe a bonus episode of a show here and there. No, when you donate to ours, you become part of the Attack of the Killer podcast family. We call those people the attackers. As an attacker, you get to choose from a huge amount of bonus content. <laughs> From bonus episodes, exclusive YouTube shows like Insane Mike's Women in Top 10 list, video updates, and killer critiques. You can get your own membership card, sticker, and certificate. 
You can get original art by me called Mikey's Monsters, where I draw you as a monster of my choice. Emily, I have it. I just need to scan it in. I'm saying it now. I'm outing myself <laughs> so that I get it done. He gave it to me. I, I'll get it to you. Yeah, it's, it's not on me. It's, it's awesome. It's been done for a while. <laughs> uh, just kidding. There is so much more you can get. When I say that you are part of the Attack of the Killer podcast family, I mean it. You get to be part of our exclusive chat, like Attack of the Killer chat. You get invites to our monthly horror hangouts and watch parties. And you even get shout-outs. That's right, shout-outs on the show. Just like all of these amazing attackers right here. Timothy Linner, Roman Doppelfeld, Larry Wantanabe, Brett Royer, Seth Key, Jessica Irish, Chris Cook, Brian Godstill, Seth and Stitter, Brandy Moore, Andrew Moeller, Rod Hutchinson, Carmen DeHague, Abraham Ariano, Jacob Book, Andrew Bentler, Casey Kellerman, Tony Miller, Mike Clayton, Rose Talshoma, Marcus Rude, Abe Kirshner, Lisa Cavalier, Holly Berg, Emily Randolph, Bill Fisher, and Greg Dietrich. What a list. Holy crap. Those guys are cool. And you can be cool, too, by also becoming an attacker. So just go to jointheattackers.com, pick the tier for the content you want to get. Again, that site is jointheattackers, all one word, dot com. And become an attacker today. Right now. Yes. We'll wait while you go do that. And now it's time to introduce you to the podcast crew. He started watching he started watching that Beastie Boys documentary, that docu-series that just came out. It's released in five parts. Parts A through D are freely available to download, but you have to fight for your right to part E. Tad, everybody. <laughs> hey, guys. That was a stretch. Oh, wow. If, that's a, if that was a stretch, <laughs> oh, I'm going to pull something on this one. He just got done watching a documentary about the invention of a shovel. He said it was a. He said it was really groundbreaking. Jason. Oh, that was not so good. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We really appreciate you being here. And speaking of groundbreaking, here's Tad with What We Watched. What We Watched. In what I assume will be the shortest What We Watched <laughs> segment of all time, to lift the curtain back slightly... Oh. We usually record bi-weekly. We're recording one week after the last episode, so I'm very curious to see if anybody else has watched anything. I'll start with Jason. Uh, dudes, I totally have seen stuff. You know, oh, things lucky. and stuff. Uh, I, I actually did. I got one. <laughs> I have one movie. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's a, a brand new movie directed by Andy Muschietti. Mm-hmm. From... Uh, uh, um, the Flash. Well, oh. there goes mine. <laughs> oh, well, let's talk about it. Dad, you watch it too? Let me see here. No, you didn't. Oh, I still have to put mine in letterbox. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is my one <laughs> watch as well. So, yeah, let's yeah, discuss. Um, yeah, shortest. Um, yeah, I saw it pop up there. I've been waiting patiently it, for it. It's on Max or something? Yeah, it just yep. hit Max yep. this weekend, this past weekend, yep. something like that. And... Uh, Obviously, we all know the bad stuff about Ezra and how he sucks, and and almost single handedly stopped this movie. Can you? 
Were you able to separate it? Yeah, totally, hundred okay. percent. I've been, yeah. That's a when uh, times are slow and I'm around other people and I need a conversation. I'll, I'll sometimes. I just did it the other day with some work people. I was like, "Hey, separating art from the artist. What do you think? Go." <laughs> just uh, you know, like because it's hard. It's tough talking. It depends, man. It really and it depends. does. And so, yeah. Um, uh, as a big i mean mike made me this way it's on purpose and he's happy to hear this but you know i'm a dc guy i quite enjoy the dc yeah that's right and uh so i was and i and i love all the movies that have come out in the last 10 years i don't care what you say tad but (laughs) which you probably haven't watched half well i mean they're they're wiping the slate clean after blue beetle right i know so so cool yay yeah i'm bummed because i thought blue beetle was supposed to be part of that wipe but they just keep moving the wipe back further and further with each box office failure and so ezra nearly destroyed this one but it did come out and i you know i've heard some i I don't i try it now these days as a movie guy you know normally we're like oh let's learn all about this but maybe it's after I tried hard not to just pay attention to any of that. I, I, but I thought I'd heard that they'd you know re-edited this thing like forty-seven times and you know with different comp, just trying to fucking make it work and minimize hisness. But anyway, how can you minimize him? I know when he, he is stars all, in the movie twice. What do you mean? This is Batman the movie with Batman with Flash. Well, I wish you could say that, but uh, I. You know, it's it's not hard for me to separate it, and I I enjoyed the holy shit and fuck out of it. I loved it. It was uh, now I also don't have the entire lifetime of comic book nerddom like you do. That would, you know, I don't know how you could a person with your knowledge, Mike, could enjoy any comic book movie if they wanted to be nitpicky. It depends, and I'm an adult, so I can separate. <laughs> Um, different properties I from one it. another. I so. love it. Uh, yeah, some can't. But um, so to me, I don't. I don't have any baggage, you know, as far as history. And so I was taking it for what it was. I'd seen all the other films, you know. So it's it. It fucking was great. Um, I I love the Justice League movie. I prefer the Snyder Snyder cut, hands down. So good. Longer the better. Tad, shut up. And I, uh, yeah, this was, I thought he was good in this. Um, I hate saying so, uh, he, I mean, he was a little twitchy bastard, but he's the flash. So again, I don't have any, I don't have a version of what's, what's his, uh, what's his character name again? Barry Allen. Barry, I don't have a Barry Allen in my head, so I don't have anything to compare him to. And I, you just, you, you shouldn't anyway, but. I know it's hard to not, but so he was great. I thought he was awesome. Um, see, I, you know, Batman 89, uh, is a game changer for a lot of people and I loved it, but man, everyone else in the world seems to have a way bigger boner about Batman 89 than me. And I love it, but like people are like, it's a big deal that Keaton's back and it, and it's awesome and it's cool and it's really neat and awesome and all of that. But, um, and then lastly, I'll just, and so I do after the movie's over, I'm like, like I do every time I'm like, man, this was great. 
let's go celebrate this awesomeness with the rest of the internet mistake don't yep and so it was like uh anyway i'll just take the i assume the biggest critique is the cgi and i just like go fuck yourself because here's why mike okay it's fucking awesome get over it like just think of a cgi movie 10 years ago what do you what the fuck do you want like has anyone ever been okay with cgi it's always something i'm like it's um it's a fucking miracle what we're seeing on this TV like suspend a fucking as, smidge of disbelief someone who has not seen the movie but was shown a CGI scene out of context um i was very confused because it was like a scene where we had two Ezra Millers mm-hmm. it's that's confusing yeah, it's yes. story, yeah. and why are the, why is one cgi when you can like the the fucking like technology to do like a split screen and film one (laughs) in front of a green screen was around in like the 50s uh why are they cgi in a whole person next to i I just i don't and is there a reason like in the story as to why one looks like fake i i didn't realize that they cgi'd ezra Ezra Miller to act with with himself. I assumed it was like all uh, like a face replacement thing. Oh, is that what it was? I don't. I I didn't really notice, but it might have been. It might have been just because the fact that the fact that one of the flashes is like supposed to be younger than the other one. Yeah, in the story. Um, and I so I really and I really liked the action in Batman vs Superman that they're like how we don't have a reference to see a superhuman move fly quickly through the air and smash another person we don't know what that looks like so it's gonna look weird and it does look weird but I think it's cool as shit because I'm like holy shit look how fast they're moving I feel like I'm just a kid that's just easily entertained and I don't. I just hate the internet. <laughs> is what I'm saying. So that I I really liked it. Um, I can't. I don't really have anything I didn't like. It was great. Well, my thoughts are all over the place because I wanted to rebuttal to light. Yeah. Either rebuttal, things. either rebuttal or support every sentence that came out of your mouth. Um, first of all, um, on one flip side, I'm personally shocked that you like this movie. Because of the timey-wimey time travel shit. That's, that I know you the, hate that, and I that do. is the whole point of this movie. Yeah, I do hate it. Time travel, and I, in general, not a fan. And I, and I feel like uh, I, almost hated, I almost hated their rationale for time travel um, a co- conveniency uh, than Marvel's at, at this point. I mean, it's almost kind of similar, right? If I'm understanding it, and I think that's probably why this one bothers me more than the Marvel stuff, because I don't know if I quite understand what they're trying to tell me and their logic of time travel and how you can go in the past and interact with yourself and then yourself. Oh, the spaghetti metaphor? That. that Well, the whole multiverse thing, which is the spaghetti metaphor, and that he's technically in a different timeline. But then... uh, 
I don't want to get spoilery. I don't want to get spoilery. Yeah, it's time travel movies. Um, yeah. It's just stuff that happens in the in the end there, in that third act, in the final fight. It's like, well, then wouldn't that be? <laughs> You're thinking too hard. I know. I know. Not really. I know. Though it's like, can you follow your own mythology? I don't know. Anyway, um, if you, I don't know. Some of, just some of it felt like a little lazy on the writing side. I really feel like uh, these people need to start bringing in, like, uh, I don't know, um, scientific theorists to help write the script instead of just... Because <laughs> I just feel like they keep... When it comes to the time travel stuff, here lately, in the past decade worth of superhero movies in general, that they just keep writing themselves in the corner and come up with one little bit of dialogue that explains it away and why it's okay. But I can't wrap my brain around it. Anyway... Anyway, um, I just want to see it because I know that uh, the Nick Cage Superman's in it. Oh shoot! But, <laughs> what? Well, who was that? Um, I uh, I took. I guess I took some issues with CGI. Uh, yes, the, anytime there's actual superhuman outside of reality action going on, that shit's cool. Although the babies looked really cartoony to me when the, when the, you know. The, sure. It was. They it looked was a- really cartoony. Wait, like, car- I thought I was watching a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, his actions were cool. Where I take issue with some of the superheroic actions, when it's a normal 70-year-old human being that is doing flips and landing on the ground and getting thrown through the air and shit and just gets up and keeps moving. It's a lot of that Batman stuff in the third act that uh, he's a train kind of devi- kind of defies. That's where it kind of starts defying the laws of logic for me. Oh, <clears throat> although I will also say on the flip side of that, what made first of all, yeah, the Michael Keaton stuff was my favorite. I was so antici- so excited and anticipating it, and it did not let me down. There's so much more than I thought there was going to be. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah. He was a huge chunk of the he movie. He really was. He, in my opinion, he'd be like second build. Yeah. You know, he was like the, well, I guess technically third most important character of the whole movie. Anyway, and he was awesome. He was. And it was so cool being a fan of the original movie, even back then being a fan of the original movie, but still can bitch and moan about how like it kind of sucks that we have a Batman that when he fights, all he could do is turn at the waist, you know? Because that suit is so bulky. So it was kind of cool to see in that design, knowing it's Keaton, even though it's still CGI um, or, or stunt doubles or the combination of both, him. seeing him kicking some ass. It was so cool. Yeah. Doing some doing some jumps and some you know stuff you never saw in those original two Batman yeah. movies. So that was cool. I will give you that. In the same way, like in modern Star Wars, you're like, fuck yeah, Yoda can do some badass shit yeah getting to see him getting flip around see, instead of so getting to not see be batman. able to see his feet because he's a muppet yeah. <laughs> yeah so getting to see keaton batman yeah kick ass was awesome um but i'm not a fan of ezra miller even before the controversy I, i'm kind of torn because i never liked him as the flash i didn't and this is maybe the comic book geek in me but i never really thought he had the look and i i think i love the suit now way better than i did in the justice league you know, him with mm-hmm. all that wire strapped to mm-hmm. him just looked like garbage to me. But I get why it was that way. Um, 
and now he's got this more high-tech Wayne Tech suit that makes more sense. That's cool as shit. And I'm also glad, because this is expanded into the comics, and I hate it when they over-design over an outfit, um, yeah. but I'm glad that the little stripes, the little lightning stripes, weren't actually part of the costume. It was part of the power surging through the costume. So when he's just standing there in the suit... It's just solid red like it should be, in my opinion, mm -hmm. instead of those weird little lightning stripes all oh. up and down the legs and the torso. And, and the everything. ring, I assume, is from the comics. Too. Yeah, the ring is the thing. Oh, that rhymed. Um, but I just I, I just never really thought, because when you see him in that cowl, like, I don't know, he does, his face structure does oh, not I, work in that cowl very I well. I certainly don't, yeah, give two shits about Ezra. I, the whole time I'm like, sure, he's, I think he's great, he's funny, he's super quirky enough, but like, hundred percent the whole time I'm like he could easily be replaced. Yeah to well, me. Well in in so. Justice League I felt like he was the weakest part of that movie as far as the team goes. I didn't like how they portrayed him. I didn't like his performance in it. I feel like this movie, his character is more matured mm -hmm. and is more experienced. So that kind of helped him this time around. But then you turn around and get that 18-year-old one that's even more annoying than he was in Justice League. But his, so I'm like, fuck this guy. But his arc was, he had a great, his arc was large and good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In general, too. So. Yeah. Um, what else did I have to say? Uh, yes, I loved all the nods to the past DC films, even going so deep as to reference a movie that was never made, <laughs> mm -hmm. which is cool. Um. Uh, there's, yeah, there's silver linings to the multiverse. Yeah, and I, and I don't know if you know anything about me as a comic fan. I love the multiverse concept. There's so much you could do with it as long as you don't use it as a crutch. And I just feel like these movies, Marvel included, are using it as as a way a way talking themselves out of doing certain things in their films. You know. I'm just going to go back, because I can't spoil this, but just going back to Marvel, and it still bothers me that they kill Gamora before all the events that happened in Guardians 1 and all of the shit with the stones and everything. So, like, they kill her, they kill her off and then steal Gamora before all those other events happen, which would negate all those other events, which would just, just totally destroy the whole timeline. Because none of these things that they are happening now in this movie would never happen. Because Gamora was dead at that point in time. But no, let's just write it off as like, that's a separate timeline now. That's to me is just kind of a cop-out. Just like... Uh, time travel, man. Just use this as a, as a crutch to talk ourselves out of a hole we've written ourselves into. Oh, I think they write that way on purpose nowadays. Let's create the most harrowing thing that is unescapable and then just write it out in the last line. Yeah. And how how long before we're that's sick of that? We that's all well, that's all it is now. Because that's not that's not good writing, man. Oh. Anyway. So I'm kind of torn on it. There's some things I really love, but there's some things I don't like and Oh and lastly I I wonder if uh Tad's still awake. <laughs> I was just going to uh, say, before um, Attack of the Killer podcast gets canceled, right. I want all the listeners to know that Jason and Mike were the ones speaking and using he pronouns when we all know Ezra Miller uses they, them pronouns. Oh, so, sorry. Um, I didn't know that, but... Uh, yeah, it's... It, yeah. My bad. I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, I'm just giving you guys shit, but... Oh, I didn't. 
Well, he, he, I mean, they do use those pronouns, they do. but uh, yeah. It, yeah. But I would, but <laughs> without I would knowing assume, that, I would assume we get a hall pass considering who we are talking about. And uh, you better watch out; they might show up on your fucking doorstep, yeah, take your is, wallet, well, this punch is, you in the head. This is true. What do? <laughs> uh, oh, he's well. We can talk about that offline. We shouldn't get into <laughs> that kind of stuff. I guess. Anyway, Ted, what'd you watch? What'd you see, buddy? <laughs> uh, not The Flash. Um, <laughs> I watched uh, very little. I watched some episodes of What We Do in the Shadows. This season has been maybe my favorite. It's really it's fucking so weird. weird. It's so off the rails. I love uh, it. Absolutely fucking bonkers. Uh, I just We just finished the episode. I won't spoil much, but there's an episode where... Um, they're trying to uh, doing some experiments and these little animal <laughs> crossbreeds with gizmo come about and it just is so fucking wild and weird there's these like dog slash guillermo crossbreeds and <laughs> he's asked to, he's supposed to shoot them and it's but he can't because they're his children <laughs> and it's so fucking out there but I, it's like every episode i cry laughing it's so oh. It's it's gotten so off the rails that it's so much fun. Oh yeah, immensely. Uh, and and the Pride Parade episode was really fucking funny. Oh, that's so great. That's the one where two the no wait was that the same one? What was the one where uh, <laughs> Laszlo slips and talks talks about how they're vampires on television? Yeah, so they spend the whole episode like Spe- freaking yeah. out. <laughs> Speaking of documentaries, but uh, yeah. <laughs> that that was like a documentary with like news footage within a mockumentary. Yeah, it's really funny. Uh, trying to figure out what they're going to do because they keep letting it. Yeah, on te- <laughs> national television or local television, actually. But anyways, yeah, this season has been absolutely hilarious, and I'm falling in love with it again. Uh, yep. This, I mean, I, I really do think this season is my favorite so far. And then I've been making my way through the latest season of Dark Side of the Ring. Mm. Uh, and I think I told you guys, but there's like the episode I watched was not actually that dark. So I'm wondering <laughs> if they're getting like they're running out of. I mean, wrestling is just never going to. I mean, this week we've gotten two more dark sides that uh-huh. we can do, you know, with Terry Funk and. Way, uh, Bryant, whatever, yeah. Um, Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt, thank you. But, uh, no, the one I watched was more of no one got hurt or died. It was more ego thing and behind the scenes stuff and, uh, interesting, but I'm like, this is a stretch for an episode. So, uh, that's really all I've watched in a lot of Food Network. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I did preview a few little um, minutes of Slother House, which when you're listening to this, I will have played it and watched it all, and you guys are in for a treat. I oh. this movie is the, the sloth is done practical. He's a he's a puppet, and he's a slasher sloth, and it's done very tongue in cheek and cleverly, and it, it's it looks so good, guys. I. And from the trailer, it looks awesome because I love satirical, outrageous, on borderline parody concepts like that. If the filmmaking is still done super 
serious and earnest. It looks like this could be a theatrical film that just happens to have a killer sloth. And it's not like some Muppet-looking sloth either. It's a, it, it's a realistic-looking sloth. Like Every detail looks like it's taking way too seriously for such a ridiculous concept. And yeah. that is what excites me. Yeah. So I'm excited to see it in a room full of a theater full of people tomorrow. Uh, shout out to the Brett and Tony crew. They're coming and they're doing a podcast on it. So, Oh, nice. Yeah. All right. That's cool. what I watched. All right. Cool. Well, thank you, Tad. Um, and here you thought that was going to be a short segment. This yeah. Week. Just get Jason and I talking about comic book movies. Two guys left on the planet that still like them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, now it's time to get into our mockumentaries. Jason. That's me. What's our first one? Oh, man. Our first one is from way back in 2018. Don't say way back. It makes me feel old. Well, you are old. We're talking about Butterfly Kisses. Behind me stands Ilchester Tunnel, a throughway for the B&O Railroad for over a century. But for the past 80 years, it has become something far more sinister. And the very first one that I pick up says... Final solution. A young lady uh, identifies herself as Sophia Crane, and then it got a little upsetting after that. (laughs) Got a little bit weird. There's no cuts. There's no retakes. There's no calling for action. There's absolutely no evidence to suggest that somebody is directing them. We have the possibility that this whole thing is real. And we have the possibility this whole thing is a largely plausible hoax. If you're working with all these elements, you can, journalistically speaking, you can construct your own story out of whatever footage you choose to to, to put in there. I do not believe that this video is authentic. I think there's some acting involved. There's some effects involved. And I think that it's kind of disturbing that he feels that the only way to market this footage is to pretend it's real. This has been done a thousand times before, and we think it's a scam. I'm not the only one, it's everyone. We're gonna take this footage to every professional in town that we can find. Ghost hunters, Mythbusters. We're going to go to the radio stations. We're going to the TV stations. We're going to show the footage, and we're gonna saturate the market with this information then we're going to prove to the world that Peeping Tom exists. The camera doesn't lie. A filmmaker discovers a box of videotapes depicting a disturbing student film project about an urban legend known as Peeping Tom. As he sets out to prove the footage is real, he becomes obsessed, along with the film crew following him. This film's directed by Eric Christopher Myers, who, I don't know, (laughs) nobody knows. Um, This, uh, oh gosh, guys, how do I say this? Oh, this is my favorite one of the three films tonight. Okay, Are you serious? You're kind of scaring I am me. completely serious. But your tone is indicating. I don't know where to go. I don't know. Uh, of the three, 
Yeah, the subject. Uh, I like the legend. I just, yeah. it's one of the things I really like about this is that myth. That's the part that really m- makes this one interesting to me. And then what they do with that, right? Like, not just is it the whole blinking thing, but adding the concept of the camera turning it off and on being the blink. Being able, yeah, that the blink can be a non-human thing too. Yeah, so, and then the, and the, and then the concept of this peeping Tom moving closer to you with every blink. That's fucking scary shit, man. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that a Doctor Who episode? You're Brian? welcome, Brian Clark. There we go. Thanks. <laughs> uh, but I think there's like a weeping... I believe it. Yeah, there's one about like a weeping... Uh, I don't know. Uh, Angel? Statu- st- angel or statue or something. But I know, you know, there was that... Uh, thing in Super Mario too, where like if Mario wasn't looking at the thing, it chased him, so you had to turn around and make yeah, him stop. Yeah. yeah, made me think of that. Anyways, back to the movie. Um, close yeah. those tabs. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, and I, and as I look at the uh, my letterbox reviews of the all three films, this this one has the highest. For real, uh, because. I've, Yours yeah, or other people? Of my my reviews of these three films. Yeah, but okay. how many stars? <laughs> you don't want to know. Uh, yeah. Are there any stars? I, you can't do zero stars or you're not rating it, I guess. <sighs> no, like, yeah. it's The other two have one. This one has one and a half. It's really? way better. Oh, no. I, uh, um, okay, but yeah, so like, and then the girl and the, and the, I mean the the director guy he gets on my nerves super fast. He's the worst part of this thing. His character he started is out so fine, but then he much just, of a piece of a shit that yeah, like yeah, it makes it does make it a little hard to fo- want to follow this movie. But the thing that really to me hurt this movie is you kind of heard it in the trailer there. But they're like, we got to debunk this tape. We got to do this, and so they spend what in my head felt like a half an hour. Or 20 minutes, but they start listing off all the reasons why this can't be true. And they're the most compelling reasons that are so obviously why this isn't true. Like, I think it that part was too good. They like they told me why this they movie sucks. Yeah, me. they completely did. So are you saying they listed all the things that sucks about this movie? It was I kind of like that, and I'll explain why. Oh. But are you saying does it take you out of Com- like it completely? You just horror like, of this movie? Absolutely. Okay. It just it went from a movie I was engaged with to oh, you just listen to movies. The reasons why I yeah, you're right. Guy saying all these things about why this isn't good or real, <laughs> and so after that point, I was just like, dang. It's like it was, but up until then. And because you know the the legend is awesome, the peeping tom thing's cool. I like the girl, and the footage is neat and fine. You know they show him appearing like it's obvious. We all see it the first time, and it's not a big shocker when they're like, "Oh, he was here the, all the time," and all these we saw him in all the shots. Come on, yeah. But uh, but it's definitely still my favorite of the. I I mean I liked it. it yeah, was cool. one and a half is uh, is a like. Yeah, I know. I, it's not a good episode for me, guys. So I'm trying to be positive. <laughs> I, I did like the good stuff. Well, don't spare it for my feelings. <laughs> um, do you feel like then if they 
went if they held back more on the the shit with the guy trying to get this footage out here and all the debunking shit and maybe focused more on the stuff that was actually on the tapes, it would have been better. Absolutely. Because the stuff on the tapes, like, I mean, I guess if you take it out and put it on its own, it can be creepy and and fun. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, again, you know, you you and I agree that the Peeping Tom legend thing is pretty neat. That's the best part, yeah. Yeah. Just the duder and the debunking was just unfortunate for me, but... And like we can put this, if we you know if we just focus on the tapes within the film, I put this in a category with like you know it follows or smile, mm-hmm. where like, um, both of those movies have a little more uplifting endings, and I like how this one how the themes are kind of similar, but it has such a darker ending for that girl mm-hmm. that it's just and. You know, because the whole time in those type of movies, it's always about the protagonist trying to figure out how to outsmart this legend and how to break the rules and survive. And she kind of does it, but it's not still good for her. It's mm-hmm. like probably almost worse. And then I'll I'll try my hardest not to say this in the other two, but <laughs> you have to know when you're watching these, you're like, oh, Jason's not going to like all this fancy editing. We'll get to that when I talk stuff. about the next movie. Yeah. yeah, the this is just the editing exercise of and like, but how? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. And how come one filmmaker can't buy one camera that doesn't distort? Well, most of these movies try to rationalize is that whatever whatever magical entity is the horror element is causing the these tapes to malfunction so? and shit. Okay. And that's definitely apparent in this one because like one of your one of your most hated things in these type of movies is those random you know crackly audio distortions and they explain it in this one. That it's some ghostial Morris code bullshit. Right. Right. At least they tried that. But that's what I like about this one. Yeah. Is that, you know, it's it's a it's a documentary within a documentary within a documentary. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like three levels to this and it really feels like to me, I mean I, I've got this is my second viewing of this movie and I think I even liked it more than the first time I watched it. And it might be my favorite out of the three, too. Even though I, spoilers, I love all three of these movies. I mean, I personally handpicked them because I like them. Um, but uh, I really feel like this particular filmmaker is trying to do more of a meta-commentary on these type of films. Because they just flat out tell you, you know, this is bullshit within the director's storyline of this movie. Um, this is bullshit, this is debunked, and you watch his personal life just spiral out of control because everybody's shitting on him. So much to the point, they're hitting us over the head with this so much about how, like, uh, you know, this found footage stuff is not real and poo-poo on the directors who are trying to overly convince the audience that it is real. So much so that they get... And Wardo Sanchez, yeah. the maker of the Blair Witch Project, yes. to come into the movie and say, this is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and that, I think that's brilliant and almost hilarious to me. Yeah, that, that was a good touch on the, the meta of it, for sure. And so you get those moments where, like, you get the annoying sound effects that they filter into the movie to try to make it 
jump scary or creepy or whatever of the sound distortions like we were just talking about. And then they turn around and make fun of that within this movie as well. So it's like taking all those tropes and poking fun out of it and at mm-hmm. it. And that's that's one of the big things I took away from it, especially this second viewing for me. Um, so yeah, I, I I I like it. I mean, I am agreeing with you that the worst part of this movie is the the guy trying to make the movie. He is such an unlikable character. You kind of don't really feel sorry for him, you know, with what happens to him as he goes down the toilet. Yeah, you almost root for his demise instead of <laughs> going for him at some points. What do you think, Tad? I didn't mind this one. Uh, I, too, felt the director character, I mean, I think we're supposed to sort of hate him as more yeah. and more as the movie oh, goes yeah. on because he's becoming more and more obsessed with this and becoming a bigger piece of shit. Uh, I liked that it was sort of like we're going to start making this thing and uh, like a lot of real documentaries, uh, it becomes something else. Like it becomes a movie more about the guy trying to make the movie than what they were originally set out to make. Um, but I felt... As it went on, I like lo- I, I, it piqued my interest at the beginning, and I became like less and less interested as it went on. Oh, okay. um, but still good. Like I, I still enjoy. I actually enjoyed all three of these, but this might be in the middle for me. I liked it, didn't love it, didn't hate it. Obviously, didn't hate it, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's. I agree with Jason with the edits and stuff. Like it's hard to, and of course that was, but it's, this was what? 2018. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's not that long ago. I don't know. It's like, it feels like there was a time when we could accept that kind of stuff. And now it's like, we know better. I don't know. Well, again, I feel like all of that shit, and the editing stuff, especially, was intentional. I, I intentionally done poorly because, oh, yeah. like the scene, the scene where um, the guy is using up the blinks of the camera, and he like he's in that field, and he purposely stands right in front of the camera when he um, turns it on, and then there's peeping Tom when he moves out of the way, and you know, and then they even make fun of that within the movie. You know, I mean, that, a second grader can figure out figure out how to do that poor camera trick, and I feel like it was done on purpose. Because yeah, who would stand in front of the camera when you're turning it on and off like that? When you're trying to capture this peeping tom thing, so it's a blatantly obvious poor man's camera trick to try to be spooky, uh, and I feel like uh, that was on purpose. Yeah. I don't. I mean, some, but some of it is just like, and I understand some of it's probably to hide some stuff or make it feel more. It's funny because it's like supposed to feel more real, and then like if you like Jason does, if you know how editing works, it makes it feel less real. Um, but it's fine. It was it was okay. Nothing I would watch again. But uh, you know, at least all yeah, these are, it's worth watching for sure. Yeah, and yeah. they're all. All yeah. pretty short, and and I, I find the genre cool. Like, I loved that you picked this episode, and then we'll get to the shout outs later. But there's like actually quite 
the uh, great list of movies on this. Sweet, so, cool, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just yeah, I dig this kind of stuff. So I've, I have a I I knew kind of going into it, especially rewatching um, these films, that uh, I was probably going to be uh, on the soapbox for these films more than you guys. Well, it, ha- it has but. that. Uh, What's the we we did the episode the YouTube uh, horror stuff? Oh, the uh, analog horror. Yeah. Yes, it has that. Ana- it's like one step above analog horror, where it's like, yeah. you know, supposed to feel real but not real, and uh, but it's not quite found footage. Yeah, and I keep going down that rabbit hole of the analog stuff and these mockumentary found footage style stuff, and I don't know if. It, uh, because I love it or if I'm trying to articulate why I like it. I can't seem to really explain what is about this this type of storytelling that appeals to me. If it feels like it was shot on VHS. Yeah, but again, we're we're, we're poking the it's it's something cuz we're we're sitting here that all agreeing that we can though, that Yeah, you that's get a probably for yeah, but it gives me certain feels, though, more than just like a nostalgia that I love it kind of thing. But like, I feel like that you know that analog type of stuff um, has a tendency to be creepier. I think it because it's such shitty quality that uh, you don't know what's hiding in real. the frame, <laughs> even if it's broad daylight and right in front of your face, because you can't make it out because it's all scratch. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's that whole. Um, what you're not seeing is scarier. Yep. Anyway. So, and did you guys ever think you would be talking about a horror movie called Butterfly Kisses? No. <laughs> what kind of trivia do you have for this one, Tad? I have some trivia on all of these. Um, Sweet. The, the viral marketing campaign for this film was so successful that the Blink Man legend was included in a book on local folktales called Haunted Ellicott City by Shelley Davies Wygant. After the book was published, director Eric Christopher Myers reached out to the author to let her know that he had concocted the legend as a marketing campaign for the film. Despite, after the book came out? Yeah, after That's a it, dick move. <laughs> despite Myers' concern that she would be angry, Wygant said that, I thought it was genius. So she was like... Oh, that's good. It was so, so well done that she fell for it. Um... And then the other piece I have is the footage for the student film was shot in 1080 film and re-uploaded through filters to create the found footage effect. So there are uh, filters on top of filters on top of filters. Oh and yeah. So and then run it through the mud and then put some more filters on it, which yeah. is cool. I I I appreciated some of the times when it looked so bad. <laughs> I'm like. <laughs> They don't let this bad a quality on TV anymore. <laughs> so, like, I appreciate it, but yeah. Oh, man. Sorry. Oh, is that it? Yep. Oh, okay. That's all the, that's all the trivia. Cool. All right. So, we're going to move on to our next film that I'm really nervous to talk about with you guys. Uh, it's from 2007. It's called The Poughkeepsie Tapes. Today, police made a shocking discovery in Poughkeepsie. 
A third body was found here today. A Poughkeepsie couple vanished over the weekend, seemingly without a trace. Do you mind if I film this? I'm making a little movie about my trip. The Poughkeepsie Tapes from 2007, (laughs) written, directed, and edited by John Eric Dowley. It's uh, about the murders of a serial killer in Poughkeepsie, New York. And just when the police are at their wits end trying to figure this out, they uncover hundreds of tapes in an abandoned house in Poughkeepsie, New York. Um, The murder investigators uncover all these tapes made by the killer. And the whole story is told through interviews and disturbing footage from many of the killer's snuff films. So this is, again, I think, in retrospect... The one I'm the most nervous to talk about because, again, I like this movie a lot. This is my second or maybe even third viewing of it at this point. And, but watching it this last time, realizing that, oh man, I think I made a horrible mistake making you, you like, guys watch it. Realizing maybe this isn't a good movie. No, I still oh, think it's dang. brilliant. <laughs> That's too bad. But it's got tons of material in there that I knew was going to bug both you guys, Jason especially, because I forgot just how much of the shitty static noise and and popping and shit that it's like it's like at one point it's every cutaway is that noise and i'm like oh he's gonna fucking hate this and then and then also on how torture porny and disturbing some of the footage get gets i would is also assuming like ah he's not gonna like it for this either but i mean other than the I, yeah, I really. What is enjoy he right, Jason? <laughs> Do I have to go first? Uh, no, I can go. No, let's get this out of the way. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm really sorry, guys. Oh, I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. I told you. I no, assumed it all when I was watching it this uh, last time. Uh, I'm the one that's sorry for making you watch. No, well, yeah, maybe you should. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, Apology not accepted. That's right. Ex-friend. Not accepted. Yeah, the staticky the. The editing. It's the, every freaking... It really is. And um, uh, uh, um, the the guy who apparently watched all these tapes, uh-huh. that's like maybe... Some of the worst acting ever? Maybe ever because... <laughs> I mean like literally ever because okay. he... There's... It is impossible to have watched five of those tapes 
and not been affected by it. Yeah. And he is. He seems too calm and collected about having to watch all those hundred tapes. He's like, hey, I saw watch these. Yeah. Like, okay. It's like, yeah. And your head didn't fall off? Right. Yeah, my, my wife wants to leave me after catching five seconds of this. Like, it's hard for it's hard for you to believe how yeah. disturbing. He's just being really overly descriptive on how disturbing these tapes are. But you're not believing any of it because he's not emoting. Even if, like, maybe like a tear started coming down his face or something at the thought of right. what he had watched. Shows some just trauma something. about it. Yeah, I can I can agree with you on him. But uh, again, like I I know you just said you like it, and I I know it's people's favorite movies, and I know people made it. But my my goodness, uh, I couldn't explain more how much <laughs> I did not enjoy one second of this movie. Uh, it just is completely not enjoyable in any way, mostly. Because of the content of the films. I'm like, how is this entertainment? I hate, I won't say the H word about did, but uh, <laughs> um, it, it was the absolute lack of fun anything could be, and I didn't like it. So, sorry, it's not for me. Too That's cool. serious. And again, I get I'm it. Too sensitive. Again, I'm watching it, and I'm like, yeah, "This isn't gonna be." There's like, what's the point of watching the torture porn? See, Why? The, see, this, I say the same thing about like when you talk about like these, these like overly emotional dramas that make you cry, and I'm like, "What's the point in that?" So, for me, I don't know. There's, it's, it's thrilling. It's kind of, it is kind of terrifying um, to see what's happening to this poor girl, and. How he is always way ahead of the police, even, even all the way up to the end. I I just I really I really find it creepy, um, you know. And and getting the one guy, getting the cop arrested for it and executed, and just waiting out his crimes until that cop is done and then starting up again. It's like it's like I don't know. It's like supernatural level of evil going on with this guy who you never find out who he is. And I think, I don't know, I think that's it's pretty terrifying and creepy. Sure. And that's I, why I enjoyed it. It was just, yeah, it was so hard to watch for me that it, it really know. makes me just, just want to stop watching horror I movies. Really, I really get it. <laughs> Sorry. Well, don't say that. Well, it does. <clears throat> it really does. Um, uh, now you make enjoying. me regret. I know. I don't, want, I, don't want you to, I don't want you to think that. But. God, let's watch Killer Clowns then. Yeah, it's just too, it's too hard. Um, and it is, and like you know, this movie does have a reputation of being really disturbing for a lot of people, you know, because there is a character in here that literally, it we we keep jumping back to her throughout the film that is just tortured and brainwashed beyond beyond all human endurance. So I get it. Yeah. That's okay. You don't have to apologize, man. I, I again, I knew it. I knew it going in. But uh, is Tad still talking to me? Let's find <laughs> out. Yeah, yeah. I do not hate this one. Um, on paper, I think the story and concept is the coolest of the three. I think the idea of it, like and like you describing it, and the mm-hmm. years of. I've heard of this obviously a million times. This is the first time watch for me. Um, it sort of has a reputation as 
being exactly what it is. Um, but maybe I'm desensitized. Maybe I'm just like whatever. But it's like it just felt like because of the quick edits and all that stuff, it felt like it was trying too hard to be hardcore and be, huh. I don't know. Um, you mean like it wasn't as effective or? No, it, it was, but oh, okay. it was like, okay. but it was like, you don't like put some more. I, I wanted, I liked it more when they were just talking, talking to the people and less of the footage from the killer's perspective. Mm-hmm. I found that like, I, I want like, a just straight up, I don't know, m- more of the talking heads and less of that footage. And, and not so much be- like what Jason was saying of like the hard to watch for him because of the torture and just mean spirited of it. It's just that it's like the low quality of it, like hurts my brain. And when you're trying to watch, you're watching three of these movies, you know, but um, <laughs> like I, I love a good, well-produced documentary on real true crime and i you know and and that's not to say like this doesn't have a place obviously it has a cult following it's well done um but it's just like so much of it man like it just it's like having I, i watched it in the living room while like nikki was doing something and i just was almost like do you want me to like go downstairs and watch this cause like it is just it's yeah. like static to girl screaming to you know weird clip of this to guy and some of it I'm like some of it you know the the footage that they're showing of the tapes I'm like this is a bit of a stretch that he got this on tape you know like I don't know I know that's okay. sort, sort of the point but uh I still liked it I, I do I oh, did cool. like this okay. one. Okay. Uh, I I do not hate you. It does not make <laughs> it does not make me not want to watch horror movies. I might actually like watch this one again, not like pop it in to get a smile, but it'd be something to like show someone who was like interested in this kind of thing, you know? Like if someone if I was with a friend and they're like, I've never seen that, I'd be like, Okay, let's give it a watch. Like I think you might you know, the right person might be into yeah. it. Yeah. One of the things that I got out of it in a multiple viewing aspect, and I don't know if uh, if it's because I've seen it before. I can't remember how it impacted me the first time, but I found that one scene of the footage where the guy is just hanging out in the bedroom waiting to waiting to kidnap this girl. So extremely suspe- suspenseful, and that might be because like I've seen you it more than once, coming. and I know what's coming to for her. Um, but man, because he he just lingers in that bedroom forever, just just out of sight. Like there are a few moments there where it's just like, how do they not see him? Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I just find that particular scene just so um on the edge for me. Uh, but that's sort of like what I was talking about earlier, where it's like some of the like when he's talking to people or he had, and it's like, where is the camera actually at in this scene? Like why? You know, like yeah. why isn't why yeah. why why isn't that person acknowledging the camera? Yeah, and no. I think I think too one of the more disturbing things about it, if you stop for a moment and think about the making of this movie, this could go back to our bonus episode. Is like maybe a documentary about making this movie might be interesting because there is no way 
that actress. I mean, she had to have agreed to do it, but there's no way she wasn't physically abused in filming this. Mm -hmm. Like there, there was, there was real, real, like no pulling punches going on in, in this movie. At the same time, it's like, I'm pretty, I would assume she agreed to it knowing going in what it was going to be like. Or else, you know, right? There wouldn't be a movie, probably. But, uh, but man, and you know, kudos, kudos to her if she uh, got through that. I I thought her acting was awesome at the end too. Oh yeah, I mean it was powerful during the whole. Uh, Even if it's not what you want her to say, Stenhold syndrome yep. of her. Oh but yeah, I just she did a great job. Just her sitting there, like so many emotions. Just sitting, her mm-hmm. sitting there asking them what they want her to say. Because that's what she's been programmed. I don't know what you want me to say? Yeah, I'm like, oh fuck, uh-huh. oh ow, yeah. All right. So, what trivia do you have on this one, Tad? I got a couple pieces. Uh, which is, I'm surprised. I was like waiting for you to mention this part <laughs> at some point. Um, despite having been been having been completed and having its theatrical trailer attached to several widely released horror films in 2007 the film was eventually pulled from release without any official explanation it was later given its first official limited release seven years later in 2014 when it became available as a video on demand title through direct tv the film was finally granted a dvd and blu-ray released through shout factory three years later in late 2017 10 full years after its initial planned release Wow, wow, I guess I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So this thing sat forever, and I, I'm curious as to when it says the trailer was attached to several widely released horror films. Like, no way, theatrical. There was no way this was ever going to be in the theater, right? I mean, well, one of the most disturbing things for me in this whole movie is that you hit play and the MGM logo pops up. I'm yeah. Like, I'm not ex- <laughs> wasn't expecting that at all. Like, wow, MGM distributed this so yeah uh and then the other piece i had is that it was shot in 15 days all of the fake interviews were done in two days oh wow and it took 10 years to come out on (laughs) (laughs) i'm surprised you didn't mention the little uh costume with the head on his head guy walking on his hands and feet it's creepy icon of the it is because it's a creepy image that always that weird distorted look the one thing that uh took me out of it this last viewing is like who is he doing this for because she can't see him she's tied up so he's clearly doing this for the camera i mean you know there is definitely they make it seem like he is rather um what's the what's the fancy word i'm looking for when you're eccentric really Um, into yourself um narcissistic yeah that it's for narcissistic reasons you know but uh or is or is he doing it because he knows the plan is is down the road somebody is going to be watching this but at the same but at in the moment you're like who's he doing this for yeah i assume you just like this movie because you're like Finally, somebody with as many VHS tapes as me. 
That big reveal. <laughs> um, just so people know, <laughs> my VHS t- tapes do not have the same kind of content. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. Moving on. Yep. Was that it for your trivia? That is it. Okay. So then, Tad, what is our last movie we're going to talk about? Our final movie is Gags the Clown. God, you kidding me. Get all this on camera. But earlier this week, we had an unwanted visitor. That's right. A clown. Clown was first spotted one week ago. Images of a mysterious person in a dingy clown suit with black balloons. What can either be seen as an attempt at entertaining citizens or terrorizing them. Well, some find it to be harmless, good-natured fun. Others are troubled. You know he's up to no good. Those original gags photos are just... Creepy. 911, what's your emergency? Yeah, I was just chased up the stairs to my apartment by a clown. That clown's gonna pop like one of those black balloons. Crazy dude, he's been hunting gags all night. Someone with the intent of killing him? That's a one in a million exclusive. That's worldwide news. This is bigger than we thought. And the feet is cut. <sighs> Thank God, something exciting to report on in this city. There's a clown in town, he's waiting around. This whole damn city is clown crazy. It's just a guy in a clown suit, right? An unidentified man in Green Bay, Wisconsin, has captured worldwide attention for roaming the streets dressed as a clown. Many write it off as a harmless prank. Others aren't so sure. When a group of friends cross paths with a clown everyone calls gags, his true intentions are revealed. Uh, I'm judging from what I'm hearing from you guys. You didn't love this one or Jason. I, well, I'll say that these are handpicked because I loved all three. So I'll say I, this is my favorite of the three. Oh, cool. Okay. And when I heard Jason sort of talking at the beginning that (laughs) I was like, I thought this was really cool. Like I watched this really late Saturday night it was sort of like it put me in that spooky mood of like we're getting into Halloween season and I'm and I will be clear I'm not a clown guy at all. I think clowns are overused, oversaturated, they're not scary. I thought this was a really cool use of a clown. I mm-hmm. love the idea cuz it you know around that time we had this like actually happening in the country like people were dressing yep. up in clown costumes and getting spotted and uh, I like the perspective of like following this news crew and this podcast guy and the different people around. Yeah, uh, yeah, like three not, or four separate stories going on. Yeah, the kids this that one night and one event. Yeah, these dumb teenagers dressing up as the clown and going out. I mean, outside, I think of the actual like news reporter woman. The acting of everybody else was pretty bad, but. It's still, it, this was for me the most entertaining from front to back. I really enjoyed following the f- separate stories um, and how they all sort of came together at the end, where the newswoman's actually trying to track down this podcaster who is now butt hurt. His like ego's hurt because everybody watched him not kill the clown after talking <laughs> about how he's going to kill gags this whole time. Um, I just like local lore. Like I know here in town, 
Um, we're much smaller than Green Bay, but um, there's a guy, there's a kid that dresses up as Michael Myers, and like I remember the first like fall that he did that, people were like on Facebook, like, oh, Michael Myers is down by Family Video, or Michael Myers is over off of you know central and like it was like spottings of him and people were going around trying to like find him and stuff and it made me think of that and uh mm-hmm. obviously this is like a more serious version of that um but you know s- the idea of like him popping up and then disappearing and i thought this was a whole lot of fun i think th- this is my favorite of the three by far i really like this one I, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's all right. I didn't mind it. This actually isn't a first time watch for me. Oh, for real? Yeah, because it was a Halloween of Palooza submission. Holy poop, was it? was, it was, We were still doing it? features. I forgot cool. it was. That's why, mm-hmm. that's where I saw it for the first time. Mm-hmm. Holy balls, I forgot. Yep. Um, I can't remember how it did. I'd have to, I'll go back and look when you guys are talking I would, if I, I can would, see. But I would hope it did well because I love this movie. Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll try and find your actual notes oh, no. from watching it. <laughs> I'm scared. Which I can do. Now. Don't read them on the air. Um, yeah, I like... Uh, uh, and do you also know who wrote this movie? Yes, John Potter. I saw That's that right. this time. And I'm like, oh man. Who awesome. is... Who is... A friend. a friend, filmmaker. He's been on the from, podcast before. He's from Indiana, right? Uh, she, uh, Wisconsin. Indiana. Is it Wisconsin? I thought I thought maybe it was Wisconsin. Green Bay. I mean, I, the movie takes place in Wisconsin. Uh, so. I thought yeah. I thought he had said yeah. <laughs> maybe he even did a short film, and this is a short film turned feature thing, and it kind of feels like it in the writing. Anyway, um, but uh, I thought he'd said once that this was happening. I mean, it obviously is a thing that's been happening, but this was literally happening in his town. So they're like, fuck it, let's make a movie about it. And it really was born out of that. And uh, he's he edits a lot of Jill Six's movies. Yep, yep. And he's a writer. Obviously, he's he's done some cool movies, and Dead Weight is Dead one. Dead Weight is and, one, yeah. And, uh, and just a super cool dude, likes good music, a uh, uh, big fan of John Potter. Like I said, yes, he's him. been on the show before. I'm yep. glad he's not on this one. Um, but oh, no. <laughs> no, I just uh, – okay, so the things like, – uh, uh, the clown looks awesome. Um, yeah, the clown is look. great. Mm-hmm. I really actually like Lauren Ashley Carter in this one. Um, she was in Jug Face. Which yeah, I, okay, yeah, I the hated that movie girl. too, yeah. but yeah. I couldn't. I didn't like that movie. She's but. my favorite part of this movie. Oh, she's awesome in this. I think she, she, yes, like Tad said, the best actor in the movie. Completely. But like, um, you know, she's got a she's got a storyline of her own going on, but she's got some funny elements to mm-hmm. her, some levity to this movie. When you know she's ragging on her cameraman and shit like that, I think it's hysterical. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm seeing here gags was a short film in 2016. Might have been might, maybe that one was submitted. Maybe, uh, anyway, know, um that's so long ago. And Adam Krauss, I know that name too, is the director and Yeah. But um I and I was also going to get on here and say the reason I don't like this movie is I don't like any movie that portrays podcasters in a bad light. <laughs> Because <laughs> there's that. no such thing That's right. as bad podcast. That's not true at all. We all know better than that. But uh, <laughs> uh, that guy was obnoxious, and if I, I don't, uh, if it Realistic, took that, man. if it took that to get those numbers, I don't know. It's so ridiculous now to watch. <laughs> um, but the yeah, I didn't. I mean, I didn't mind it. The part, the part that drove me the most nuts with this one was 
Answer this question, Mike. Is this a found footage movie? Well, no, that's why it's in a mockumentary topic and not... Right. You said others... Well, Okay, movie, no, I think I know what you're saying. The, it It is sometimes and it isn't sometimes. It's not really a mockumentary, is it? It's kind of more in the found footage category. You're saying that, right? Yes. But also then... It's also not half the time, and that's what drove me nuts. Like, oh, I, it's not consistent, and it's, not at all. If and you it's, okay, that, and I don't usually let that kind of stuff bother me. I don't sit and like worry if where's this, who's holding the camera here, or why is it coming? You know, like how are the logistics of it? I don't normally pay attention to that stuff, but there are times throughout this movie, I'm just like, who oh. was telling this movie? Oh. It felt like an un. Like maybe sometimes with the cops, maybe. Yeah, I mean sometimes it's found footage stuff. Because there's times in that mm. in some of the cop stuff where it's like you know it's clearly their body cams or mm-hmm. their dashboard cam, but then there's all of a sudden an angle like when they're in the uh, uh, they're in that one place and the guy's cutting his face off or whatever, and you're like, where's this camera angle coming from? Okay, so just that unreliable narrator part of it. That just drove me nuts, and so I found myself. Yeah, and, but I kind of looking I mean, at that more than I should have, which is on me. But if if you're taken out, you're taken out. You you know you don't have to rational. You don't have to, you know, explain it. I'm on the flip side of that, where I'm so invested in what's going on that I didn't even think about any of that until you pointed it out. So you could go either. Way, it can go either way on on any time you get taken out of a film, but. I'm with Tad. I don't clowns don't aren't special to me in any way. I don't it's weird yeah. to think people are scared of clowns. I mean, anyone in a mask I guess is scary if they look at you that way and and stand there and don't answer you. <laughs> They're scary, but I, I, I like the idea <laughs> that in the clown thing is that like it's an easy thing for others to dress up in, so like when he shoots to fake yep. the, the other gags or when the kid is dressing up, you know, it's like, yeah. I like th- using it in that aspect because I, I like falling for the old, like switcheroo, like when, you know, Halloween which too. one is which? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And then, um, yeah, this artwork is awesome. I love, I love the poster, the painted anyway, uh, the, but then, like, maybe I was too checked out by the end. But then I'm like, what the fuck is happening in the tent at the end? I just, I don't oh, know if I cared by then or I'm like, really supernatural this whole time? Like, what? Yeah, it didn't what is, quite stick the ending. What is like, happening? And then you go and you do like that thing to the reporter and I'm just like, movie, just fuck off. Oh, but come on. It was cool when she exploded. That was cool. Oh. <laughs> she popped like a balloon. I thought it was hilarious. It was like yeah, but then she was dead, and she didn't make it out of this oh, horrible thing. Oh, because you were following. Well, I get, yeah, okay. I see what you're awful. saying. I see what you're saying. I mean, whether it was <clears throat> funny or not, but it was it's awful. landed on that other reporter. I thought it was. And hilarious. then the shitty reporter, bitch lady wins. I'm like, no, I hated it. So, uh, I suppose I should have gave it a a bigger rating than one. But yeah, I mean, it's fine. <laughs> um, and and yeah, the kills are cool, and you know the gags. Gags himself when he's creepy is fucking creepy. It's it's great. So that's mine. I yeah, I love this movie and I obviously um 
it's one of those times where a movie's done in this format and it and I'm invested in it enough to where I don't catch those moments that you're talking about. But I think what separates this one from the other two is that this one has has a narrative story going on in it. Like this this if you take away the found footage element could have played like a straight film. Follow and I love the idea of following like three or four sets of people in this one night and how most all of them I guess really, right? All meet up at the same place at the end when when the shit hits the fan and uh I mean, I can't, and I, I don't know. I like how none of that circus stuff there at the end was explained. I feel like you get just enough with the just enough with the antique store guy um, to where it's not overly exposition, but still kind of explain like this isn't just some random dude. There's something more mythical and supernatural going on than just some random dude walking around with uh, with balloons that when they pop they turn you into a clown or whatever yeah. was going on yeah clown that, cocaine you yeah. sort of think like it's doing that whole like twilight zone where he's turning the town on itself like you know they're mm-hmm. they're out for a witch hunt to find this guy and they end up killing each other rather than you know them killing the clown i don't know but yeah and then it sort of does a switcheroo at the end i was like okay we got like a light-up tent inside of an abandoned building what are we doing and i mean i guess it's cool that they didn't explain it but it also sort of reeks of like we don't know how to end this thing so (laughs) yes a little that okay i could probably give you that yeah sure didn't ruin it for me at all though and uh Again, like you were saying, Mike, I'm completely invested in this to not even think about the like the things Jason pointed out. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is clear gets... in this. There's so many different cameras shooting this film that every single one of them, even ones that are like what appears, if you were to say, the cinematic audience camera, the nice 35-millimeter, great quality shots still have little shits in it. And I'm like, there isn't one working camera on the set. Like that's, uh, that bothered me. Yeah. <laughs> this one is in, it really shows in this one because there's so many different kinds of footage being used. Well, it's funny because like, I didn't think once about any of that on this one, <laughs> but like the other two, like certain things pulled me out and bothered me. But I think yeah. it's because I was just so in like into this one that I wasn't distracted and trying well, you to love clowns, out. Dad. It's I don't though. It. That's the thing too. Like I'm, I think I'm the only one on the show that didn't like the new It movies. I just, Aww. but this is I. I would rather watch this. This is fun. Like <laughs> uh, Nick, Nikki started watching it with me, and she was just it was late night, so she fell asleep, and I was like, I wish she would have stayed awake because I think she would have liked this one. Like he just put on a clown mask and stood over her and waited for her to wake up. No, that's. Awesome. I'm, I'm smarter than that. Yeah, she'd punch you so hard. <laughs> yep. I think my thing was, is that I watched this one after Poughkeepsie tapes, so I was oblivious to all the static things in this one. After <laughs> this felt like a cinematic tapes, masterpiece, where every edit had one of those. Yeah, yeah. Is this shot on a CB radio? <laughs> what is happening? Anyway, sorry. Over. <laughs> Man, and you can't even blame you can't even blame the th- thing argument I 
pitched earlier about supernatural entities causing bad things to happen to the tapes with the Poughkeepsie tapes because it's not there's nothing supernatural going on in that. All right, cool. Uh, Tad, what trivia do you have for this one? Have a little bit here. Uh, I did. Yeah, this one has more. Because the film takes place over the course of one night, the entire production consisted of night shoots. The average day of production began with a 6 p.m. call time for crew and wrapped around 6 a.m. Those are the good ones. Yes. That's awesome. Good old days. Uh, The last day of principal photography took place at a traveling carnival in Oconto Falls, Wisconsin, hometown of director Adam Krause. Mm, Cool. And the three production hard drives were all named after known clowns, Pennywise, Bozo, and Pogo. Oh, God. <laughs> during, post pro- during post-production, one more was added, Krusty. Nice. <laughs> and that's nice. all the trivia I have for this one. Yeah, with this awesome. one, you can tell the filmmakers had fun making it. It's, I had fun watching uh, it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely the most fun out absolutely. of the three. I'd re- yeah, I would recommend yeah. that to this for sure. It's got some lightheartedness to it, you know. Like I said, there's a few just a few jokes in there that are funny. Um you know, it's not it's definitely it's definitely a good palate cleanser after Poughkeepsie tapes, yeah. And all three of these are on Tubi, Ted's favorite streaming service. All three of these, which I'm assuming is why you guys <laughs> all, We didn't know didn't, when the commercial breaks yeah. were and when the film was I think <laughs> Gags might be on oh, Prime. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. G- you're right. Gags is on Prime. <laughs> if you yeah. want to watch it without commercials, maybe that's the reason I liked it so much more. I'm, I'm suddenly go. realizing that's why it's my favorite. No I hate clowns, but why did I love this movie? Yeah. <laughs> you hate commercials even more than clowns. <laughs> maybe. A commercial with clowns in it. It's like your biggest oh. hated thing in the world. Anyway, sweet. All right. So that is it for the films in this episode. Uh, but we still have more show to come, guys. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to finish off with our last couple segments. But first, you're going to hear a promo for our podcast network called The Prescribed Films Podcast Network. The PFPN is home to so many amazing shows like Genre Exposure, a film podcast. Genre Exposure is a bi-weekly podcast plumbing the depths of genre films from the old, new, cult, and transgressive. Join them as they explore the wide world of cinema, broadening our horizons one movie at a time. It's a great show. It's a great show, yes, absolutely. Check out Genre Exposure and all the other shows at thepfpn.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. All right, we are back, and let's go over to Jason with shout-outs. <laughs> it's time for... Shout-outs! 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 He didn't 
totally have to go pee or anything. Uh, so let's go over to the social medias. Uh, on We asked, what are your favorite mockumentary horror movies? And on our Facebook page, we got Colby Keefe. Remember Colby? He says, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Yeah. It's, hell yeah. It's the one, man. It's so good. Um, attacker Casey Kelderman says, Oh, that's a good one. He says, Adam Green's Digging Up the Marrow. Yes. A fun little quirky green flick with a really great Ray Wise performance. So true. Yep. Yep. I that that movie gets better every time I watch it. It's good. Love the Adam Green. Maybe Adam yeah, maybe Adam's best. Yeah. It oof. Glad Mike's not here. That would have really sidetracked everything. Up next, <laughs> we got uh oh look, it's Terry Turford. Hey Terry. Hey Terry, she's got some great answers. She says, What we do in the shadows. Fuck yes. That's the right answer. It is. Oh man, it, then it pains me to admit that I haven't even finished the second season yet. I need to go watch the movie again. I haven't <laughs> watched it in years. Yeah. Oh yeah, the movie's yeah. That's what she's talking about. Oh yeah, totally. And she's also talking about Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Yes. And she also mentions The Last Exorcism. Yeah. That's not bad. It's good. It is good. I need to revisit that one, too. Can we do a part two to get some of these? (laughs) Dude, we can do so many parts. Uh, Good ones. You heard that. (laughs) Up next, we have Chris Gibson. Might be a first-time commenter. Oh, his um, icon is I Heart horror movies that's nice and he's got one of the probably best answers yet the bay yes that movie rules yes i almost referenced that earlier especially during the gags discussion because i didn't know if you were going to go the whole route of like who's putting this all together Mm -hmm. because the bay does that but they actually explain why it's edited that way with different cameras as footage in the beginning of it gags Mm -hmm. doesn't give you that up next, we got Derek Wyrather. He says, Behind the Mask. Yep. Yep. Getting lots of love tonight. Oh, yeah. As well it should every night. And then we, we got, <laughs> I'm not, I don't want to know what that means. Tim Lederers. <laughs> Here he is. Get Here we comfortable. Go. Uh, he says, The Bay is a great mixed media collage with some amazing sound design. Oh, dude. Oh, God. Yeah. Right? That scene where the cops go into that house, but you don't ever leave the perspective Other. of the police car. Mm-hmm. Oh, and all you're hearing is the shit on their radios and outside, and it's it is terrifying. Yeah, and you're seeing none of it. He goes on to say that Rec Rec is fantastic work on a low budget, including one truly great shot where the camera accidentally swings to the side where the cameraman is running for his life at the end. And you see what's pursuing him up the stairs. I still haven't seen that movie. And of course, the Blair Witch Project introduced the concept to a new gener- two new generations of filmmakers and fans, all of which tried to copy it in the movies we watched tonight. Tried not to talk about that. All ripoffs of Blair Witch. Uh, that last... That last uh, shot's iconic for a reason, and the rest of the film leading up to it is great as well. I agree with you, Tim. Big Blair Witch fans. Would you say Goodfellas is just a ripoff of The Godfather? 
No, it feels like its own movie. So do these. Okay. Moving on. Agree, disagree. Uh, Tim also says, but I gotta be me. So I'm also going to recommend an oldie but a goodie, Punishment Park by the Academy Award-winning Peter Watkins is a found footage horror documentary about the Nixon administration putting dissidents in prison and giving them a chance to run for their lives through the California desert for three days without food or water in exchange for a pardon. While cops with guns and jeeps hunt them down as practice for catching more dissidents. The final shot is absolutely chilling, and it shows that the system isn't broken, it's fixed. Mm. Yeah. Punishment he's Park. He's a pitch man, isn't he? He is. He's good at that. And then uh, lastly on our Facebook page, we got Ralph Miller. I don't remember seeing his. He says, uh, stating the obvious choices, what we do in the shadows. Yep. And Troll Hunter. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. I haven't seen it forever. Yeah. All right. Over on our Facebook group. The Attack of the Killer Podcast Group Edition. Please join. Uh, we got, oh, it's Bad Movie Bunny Lisa. She says, I'd count Deadstream. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was pretty, that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Attacker Emily Randolph. She says, Digging Up the Morrow. Love it. Behind the Mask, Rise of Leslie Vernon. Love it. Hey, look at this. It's Joey Labota. Love him. Oh, wow. Love him. Love him. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Last Exorcism is one of the best mockumentary films in general. Yeah. Not even just horror. The enders, the ending is bonkers. <laughs> yeah. The Last Exorcism 2, on the other hand, might be one of the worst films ever made. <laughs> I'm glad you bit the bullet for us on that one. Yeah. Oh, Tad chimes in here. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, cut them some slack. The first was supposed to be the last. <laughs> you can't it's in the, the title. It's in the the title. last exorcism, too. I again. mean, it was the last one. Last so exorcism funny. again. So funny. <laughs> uh, then we got attacker Jacob McLaughlin says, Lake Mungo is genuinely creepy. I still want to see that one. That almost made the list. I can't remember if yeah, I... I want to see it, too, but I hear didn't. it's one of the slowest movies ever made, so I don't know. Oh, you'll love it. I will, and I... So yeah, maybe we should pick it. But I, I I don't remember why I didn't pick it. Maybe because it wasn't streaming anywhere hmm. right now. He says no loud noises or jump scares, just atmosphere and unsettling imagery. That sounds awesome, Jacob. Like Skinnamarink. Uh huh. Is it? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> what? I no, we're not gonna. Okay, no, it's fine. And then lastly, we got. Um, Attacker Bill Fisher. You heard of this funny guy? He's he's a comedian he's, guy. Yeah, he tells them jokes. He says, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, is friggin' fantastic. Genuinely creepy at time. And, uh, <laughs> and laugh out loud hilarious. I meant to... S- he didn't put the S, but I was going to do it. But then it was just... I got dead. stuck there. I got stuck. I couldn't... Anyway, the turtle joke and the walking and running gag makes me laugh every damn ass off to this. Laugh my damn ass off to this day. <laughs> True. Thank you, Bill. Sorry about 
that. You're going um, to hear about it. I know. It. I am. So, so sorry. <laughs> I, I, as soon as I did it, I'm like, fuck, there's like three more messages from Bill. <laughs> God damn it. That's my inbox. It's okay, Bill. We love we you. Jason's, we love Jason you. Jason could be a jerk sometimes. <laughs> so much of a jerk. I'm not the nice guy you think I am. Um, we didn't have anything on uh, Instagram or Twitter or Threads, where we are now at Attack of the Killer Podcast. If you're over there, find us. Um, but we do have this little red beepy thing. <laughs> red beeping light blinking. What the fuck is it? Words. Hey, it's Brian. <laughs> and you made fun of Bill. Hey, everybody. Attacker Brian here for my bi-weekly phone call. And it sounds like we're talking mockumentary. So real, but not real. Or are they real? Like Willow Creek. Is this Sasquatch real? Uh, or... Is Fire in the Sky mockumentary? No, I don't know. No, I mean, it I probably know. really happened. But <laughs> a lot of people are going to go with, you know, the taking of Deborah Logan, Nobody digging up the marrow. Um, but my favorite, and probably a lot of people's least favorite, is Cannibal Holocaust. I love that movie. Oh, yeah. Probably shouldn't love that movie, but I do. <laughs> you should not. So go watch some, I don't you know, Petuski Files. I don't know how the hell you say it. I don't know that it matters. You should just watch it and take care. Bye-bye. Patooski, he says. I mean, it's one thing to ask Mike to spell it, but Patooski, there's no T in there. He is drunk again. I mean, thank you, Brian, is what I meant to say. And you, too. Can uh, give us a call and tell us about your Patuski at four one five nine five two six eight five seven. That's also four one five nine five A O T K P. Leave us that voicemail. We'll put your Patuski right here on the show. <laughs> one more segment to go. It's Insane Mike with some Insane's picks. <laughs> Can, instead of spadoinkle, can ours be patinkle or whatever? Sorry, I'm sorry. We'll have to, I have to remember how he said okay. it. I'm already forgetting. Sorry, go ahead. Yes. Call our, call our voicemail so we can, too, make fun of your calls. Yes. Really <laughs> encouraging, Jason. Good job. <laughs> uh, what are we doing? Oh, Insane's Picks. All right. As we explore the weirdest of the weird of Insane's Picks, none get weirder than the film I'm going to talk about today. When I first saw this movie, uh, back when it first came out, it kind of altered my perception of what a movie could be. Uh, From the set design, the casting, the very odd score, and the whole dark, gross world this filmmaker created. Not to mention this bizarre storyline that drives the whole madness along. I am talking about... 1991's The Dark Backward. Even the title, that's just weird. What's that, what, what does that even mean? The Dark Backward, also known as The Man with Three Arms, is a satirical comedy written and directed by one of my faves, Adam Rifkin. It stars Judd Nelson, Bill Paxton, Wayne Newton, Laura Flynn Boyle. Uh, it's also got... Um, Uh, Other people in it. Uh, (laughs) Marty Malt, Judd Nelson, is a nerdy, socially awkward, unhappy garbage man who moonlights as an extremely unfunny stand-up comedian. 
He lives in a dark, grimy, garbage-strewed urban netherworld where a company named Blimps apparently owns everything. His best friend and fellow trash collector Gus, played by Bill Paxton, is the one who is the only one who laughs at all of his jokes. However, his sincerity is highly questionable. The obviously um, exuberant Gus plays an accordion, which he also carries with him throughout the entire movie, even when they're working and picking up garbage. Marty is seeing Marty is dating Rosetta, played by Lara Flynn Boyle, and she is a waitress at a local restaurant in the movie. One day, Marty catches the intention of talent agent Jackie Chrome, played by Wayne Newton. Once this lump that's growing on his back turns into a third arm, Gus uses Marty's newfound freakishness to impress morbidly obese girls so he can have sex with them. So you do get to see Bill Paxton's bare ass in this movie. Woo-hoo! You're welcome. Uh, horrified, Rosetta breaks up with Marty because of the third arm, and he gets fired from the club where he does his act. Now, Jackie, the agent, rechristens Marty as Desi the Three-Armed Wonder Comic. With Gus now providing musical accompaniment, uh, Marty gets a fresh start on his comedy, comedy career. Marty and Gus have a few semi-successful shows. I'll just say that, uh, uh, his act doesn't improve, but everybody loves him just because he has this third arm on his back. And after every joke, when Gus is playing the accordion, he does this like he lifts all three arms up in the air and does a very slow, awkward 360 turnaround on stage. Marty and Gus, um, you know, like I said, they have some shows that uh, kind of catches the eye of Hollywood talent agent Dirk Delta, played by Rob Lowe. That's the name I couldn't think of a minute ago. Who offers them a job. Marty and Gus and Jackie uh, celebrate this big break and everything seems to be looking up until Marty wakes up the following morning and discovers his third arm has completely vanished. He goes with Gus to see Jackie, who is furious at first, but calms down and decides to tell Dirk the truth upon Marty's uh, um, suggestion. After calling Dirk and telling him the bad news, Dirk surprisingly asks them to send Gus to fill the spot with his accordion playing. Gus is ecstatic and leaves almost immediately. Now Marty is sad, um, but gets his job back at the club and uses the story of his third arm and his act to finally get a few laughs from the crowd. This movie is very weird and bizarre. I mean, he just randomly grows, grows this third arm. Judd Nelson playing the most awkward, nerdy character ever. Yeah, this is the same guy who was the cool dude in Breakfast Club, and here he is playing Marty. Um, with like greasy, slicked down hair, these gla- broken glasses with tape all over them, and a third arm. Uh, everybody's gray in this. This is the most over the top Bill Paxton ever. Whoa. Uh, he is just running on all cylinders at a thousand at a thousand percent uh, throughout the entire movie. He does not stop. I don't think he he basically yells his all yells all of his dialogue. It's just insane. Um, this could almost fall into the category of those gr- gross and gritty New York films if the whole environment wasn't so over the top. This uh, makes gritty and gross New York movies like Street Trash look like freaking Wizard of Oz. 
Um, it is a amazing, weird piece of cinema that defies all explanation. I highly recommend checking it out. Not sure if it's streaming anywhere right now. I didn't do that research ahead of time. I, of course, have the DVD that I've watched so many times. But if you can find it, check it out. The Dark Backward. Nice. That's good. Yeah, it is. That is it for this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Thank you so, so much for listening. And also special thanks out there to the attackers for helping support the show and keeping the lights on for us. Yeah, if sorry you... we insulted all of you. <laughs> <laughs> you too uh. can become an attacker and we can assault, assault you too, insult <laughs> you too, by going to jointheattackers.com. If you also want even more Attack of the Killer Podcast in your life, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, um, uh, Professor X, uh, Instagram. Uh, what's the what's that other one called? Threads. 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 So check all that out for so much more Attack of the Killer podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you on the next episode of Attack of the Killer podcast. See ya. Oh no! Bye-bye. Could this be the end of? <laughs> Attack of the Killer podcast. Attack of-